So God, I'm just struck by you. I'm so glad that you are God and that I'm not. And I confess that uh, I have made myself to be one. I have tried to be. So we just confess that. We just pray this morning that you would be God, that you would line us up with you, that we'd be in step with you, Spirit, that you would be able to have your way, that you'd be able to speak truth to us, you could speak love to us, you could speak whatever it is that you want to say to us, whatever it is that we need to hear that you know we need to hear, would you be able to say it today and would we receive it? Could we have a, a posture of humility? You're the king. You are the king. And we get to celebrate that today. What a celebration it will be. Would you pray through the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples? If you don't know the words, uh, they'll be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Today we conclude our series, uh, How Joyful People Flourish. We're going to read a very familiar two verses. Hopefully you know them very well. Um, so I'll read that in just a moment. Uh, but I just want to draw to your attention quickly. Can you give me slide number five? Um, today we're, so we've been thinking and pondering, right? Thinking and pondering. This is, Paul is encouraging us to, to keep thinking, to keep pondering, to keep these words constantly in, in, in our minds. So we're always thinking about them. That sounds weird. It sounds impossible. He wants us to be in step with the Spirit at all times. Ask him, what do I do? How do I do it? Be a part of this. Would you be a part of this phone call? Would you be a part of this conversation? Just constantly thinking, pondering. But today, Paul makes a little bit of a transition. He focuses more focus on the practice and the promises. So my sentence for today is that practice, practice shares the promises. So as I've been sitting with this, I've been thinking to myself, uh, I think oftentimes about how the promise, which is peace, right? Peace that transcends understanding, peace that God is with me, oftentimes is just about me. I have peace. I have what I need. But Paul incurs at the end, no, you have to practice this because it gets shared with everyone else. This is not just about me. It's not just about you. This is about everyone. So practice shares the promises. So we're going to be in Philippians 4. We're going to be reading. I'm going to start in verse, uh, verse 4 actually today. We'll read 4 through 9. And then here in a moment, I'm going to tell you how we're ending today, because that will help all of us, I promise. So hear the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness, that's big-heartedness, be evident to all. Share it with all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present 
your requests to God. Bring everything to him and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which makes no sense, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think, ponder. But whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And then the God of peace will be with you. People of God, this is the word of God. Practice makes, every, it, makes it evident to all. Practice shares the promises. Okay? So that's how we're ending today. I want you to know. Uh, we'll all stay on the same path then. We're going to celebrate baptism today. And it's going to be awesome. There, is, there are 24 baptisms happening in our church family this weekend. So, yes. Come on. So like Mike said, there are eight covenantal baptisms happening. That's where parents are bringing their children to God and saying, God, this is your son. This is your daughter. And we as a church family are going to do everything that we can, everything we're going to partner with you in every way that we can, so that, purpose clause, we get to celebrate this. Believer baptism. When that person in that room, uh, 10, 12, 18 years from now, comes in this room and says before all of us, I believe in Jesus. He is God. I am not. And that is a good thing. Amen? That's the original problem in Genesis. We wanted to be gods. We want the earth or everything to orbit around us, and that does not work. When it does that in my life, things get disordered. Things get messy. Things get destructive, and that's not what we want. When God is in charge, we flourish. So we get to celebrate that today. And we wonder, we wonder if today more of us will want to celebrate it. So we're going to run this back. I get to preach the end of the month. And if this is all we do on the 27th, that's all we do. That would be the best day ever. So if you feel today, if you feel stirred, convicted, challenged, like, no, I, I need to stand in front of people. I need to let them know who I am and why I live the way I live. I, I, I need to share it because it's not just for me. Let us know. And we'll just celebrate all day. Maybe we'll have like a two-hour service. Who knows? And that was a good laugh. That would be exciting, wouldn't it? So that's first. And so the people you're going to hear from today, they're going to come up front here and they're going to share their testimony. Now I want you to think about it for just a moment. In Lent, what, what was the series in Lent? Lives, who changed? Jesus changed. There's a moment where the Spirit breaks into our lives and He changes everything. What was the next series? The I am statements of Jesus. This is who He is. This is who He always will be. These are His promises to us. So people had a moment and then they got to know who He is. Now they changed how they think and they're so crazy, you're going to see them today, that they're willing to stand in front of a whole group of people and share their testimony and then get dunked in water. Right? It's kind of a, sorry, it's, it's kind of like, whoa, like, all right. You have to be, it's kind of a humble place to be, to be willing to do that, right? It's only, only God could do. Only God could do that. So we're going to celebrate that today. And then uh, second thing, can you give me slide number, oh, hold on one second. So what have we been asking you to do all series? What's been the application? What has it been? Read this, right? Be in this. Think. Ponder, right? What was the other thing? Walk in the church in a different way, right? 
enter through a different door. Why? So trying to, as, we, as you enter through a different door, what do you do? Why am I entering through a different door? Oh, because I want the mind of Christ. I desire it. So much so that people have gotten lost in our building. They've run into locked doors. They've walked further. They've forgotten where the cars are after church. I mean, it's been beautiful. But the series is ending, so I have an ask of you. Okay, slide number 11. What if we do this outside this place now? What if you enter your home in a different way? What if you enter your place of work in a different way? Your schools, wherever it is you go to be with people, what if you intentionally entered a different way? Why? Why? Because I want to bring with me the mind of Christ. I want to see people as Jesus sees them. I want to speak to them as Jesus would. I want to share truth in love. I want to encourage. I want to bless. What if we all did that? Like I had this thought, what if, what if it, let's just say you're married, you have a roommate and you always park on the same spots. What if for a month you switch? And every time you do, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love whoever is in that house in a different way. I want the mind of Christ. Would you be willing to try that? One month. Yes or no? I'm serious. Yes or no? I'm getting some nods. Yes? All right. Come on. I'm going to bring it up later. I'm not going to let you off the hook. So practice shares the promise. So what I want to do today, today is about testimony. It's about stories. So I'm going to tell you stories. I'm going to tell you stories from the end. That's what I'm calling it. I'm going to share some stories from the middle. And then our testimonies are stories from the beginning. And I'm hoping, you know, I was reading Acts 2 the other day and Peter gives a sermon. It's not like a super long sermon. It's not like, it's, it's good. But for whatever reason, that sermon, that testimony, that witness cuts people through the heart. And they have to be different. And thousands of people live in a different way. So I am been praying that whatever, whichever these stories intersects with your life, that it would cut us to the heart in the best way because it's God's loving kindness that leads us to repentance, leads us to want to change. I hope, he, I hope it challenges you. I hope it convicts you and that you feel loved all at the same time. All right? So we're going to tell stories today. So I'm going to start with some stories, what I'm calling it, from the end. And this first one, which it might be slide number, nope, there's no slide. All right, I forgot to do that. It's about two great thinkers, okay? So we've been thinking, we've been pondering. What I learned about, I listened to a really smart guy give two sermons on the mind and he talked for two hours straight and he didn't repeat himself once. A lot of content, but he opened with this comparison, all right? Think about developing the mind of Christ over a lifetime. So these are from the end. Two guys are Frederick Nietzsche. Heard him? Anybody? Nietzsche? Some people have, all right? And Dallas Willard. If you don't know Dallas Willard, you'll recognize some stuff that he says here in just a moment. But Nietzsche was famous for a couple of things. Uh, He was one of the people who declared, made famous the phrase, God is dead. God is dead. He believed there was no objective order or structure in the world, no order, no creator, other than what we give it. There's no God. Therefore, I decide the order. He was the first thinker, I heard, maybe, to follow Charles Darwin's idea to its logical conclusion, which was this. If there is no creator, 
Creation just happened. There's just nature. That means there's no meaning. There's no purpose. If that's actually true, if you believe there is no God, there is no creator, then, then nothing did it. There's, so there's no, there's, there's just nature, which means there's no purpose other than to propagate, to make more of us. So that would mean, according to him, this great thinker, that morality, right and wrong, truths and untruths, are just constructs. I looked up that word because I didn't know what it meant. That means not based on evidence. So he believed that morality, right and wrong, truth, untruth, is not based on any evidence because there is no creator. It was used simply to keep some order in our world. But thing is, he hated Christians. Interesting, he was being trained in seminary, I believe. Something happened to where he so disliked Christians, so disliked God. He said, God is dead. And actually, Christianity is actually a way for the weak to try to enslave the powerful. That's what he believed. So he believed we, they need to, we need to flip that around, if I'm getting this right, so that the powerful could get rid of the weak. His thought process was used by the Third Reich, the Ubermensch, the, super, the superhumans. And the superhumans were meant to get rid of all the weak humans. That's what he thought. That's where that came from. So as you can guess, I read he's not the happiest guy in the whole world. Wasn't necessarily one you wanted to hang out with tons, I think. I don't know. But he was really, really smart. He was an incredible thinker. He said this, most, the most essential thing in heaven and earth is long obedience in the same direction. That's how you get results. Amen. What is faith? What is trust? What is discipleship? It is a long obedience. So some, some Christian thinkers use that. and said faith is long obedience in the same direction. It's brilliant. This guy, is, he's brilliant. But he suffered a psychotic break. The last decade of his life, this brilliant man was locked in his sister's home, writing letters to friends, confusing his name with other people's names. And he wrote in this book when he was younger that when he died, that he would, let's see, now I die and I vanish into the nothing. That's what he said he was going to do. It was like a defiant, like, now I die and vanish into the nothing. Do you want to know what his last words were? On his deathbed, I'm going to try some German. He said, Mutter ent bench doom. This brilliant man, his final words were, Mother, I am dumb. It's a great thinker. Talking about how we think. Well, he compared that then with Dallas Willard. Dallas was also a great thinker. He says some things like this. You might recognize them. The first act of love is always giving, is always the giving of attention. Remember that recently from a series? The first act of love is always the giving of attention. He said this, the ultimate freedom we as human beings have is the power to select what we will allow or require our minds to dwell upon. He said this, discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. So you're uniquely you. What if Jesus was living through you? What would that look like? People who knew him said, he's, man, he's brilliant. They said that his life was more beautiful than his books. Just love to be with him and just be around him. Some of the ends of life. So he had pancreatic cancer. And as he was moving towards the end, he had wondered, he had wondered, 
what happens at the end. He had, he had thought that perhaps you'd have a constant stream of just consciousness. You actually would just move from one place to the next and you wouldn't even know you were dead for a while. He wondered. So he wanted to find out. So he made some decisions around his care that would let him be as aware as possible because he was curious if what he had thought for his whole life was actually true. So people say as he sat, his last days, he started, he started to say things like he was somehow in one place but also the other. And then at his last breath, his breath caught. His last words were, thank you. Two incredible thinkers. One ends their life saying, mother, I am dumb. The other, because he developed the mind of Christ, his last words, as he saw, as he saw his king approaching him, say, That's what can happen over life. Story from the end. Now a story from the middle. Because that's where a lot of us are in the middle. So I became very interested in a story about Paul, who's writing all this. Because Paul said to whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. So watch me. Do what I do. Watch what I'm doing. So I heard this story out of Acts, Acts 16. One, maybe two. We'll see if we have time. If you want to turn there, you can. It's on page 1096. And then could you give me slide number uh, seven? Remember? So developing the mind of Christ. How do we then live? Practice shares the promises. Promises of what? Transcend understanding. We'll, we'll make decisions. We'll think in a way that transcends understanding. And we'll know that God is with us. So Paul. Paul and his buddies are wanting to go to Asia. That's the red place right there. And they want to go preach the word, it says. They, they want to go and preach. For some reason, though, Paul, who is in step with the Spirit, who has the mind, is developing the mind of Christ, says they were kept by the Spirit, Holy Spirit, from preaching the word to Asia. So they begin down in Phrygia, and they're moving around Asia, through Galatia. They get to the border of Mycenae. They're on the top there, kind of in the red. And again, I want to go to Asia. I, I want to go preach the good news. I want to go share the word. But the spirit of Jesus says, no, no, don't go. Okay, so Paul, I imagine this took a while to walk this far. I'm not sure. He goes over to Troas. And when he gets to Troas, he has a dream. In the dream, he sees a man from the orange place, Macedonia. And the man from Macedonia says, no, come here. Come help us. We need you here. So Paul, in step of the Spirit of Mind of Christ, says, okay, this guy's something, isn't he? So they go across the water to Philippi. When they get to Philippi, they, start, they decide to go down to, on Sabbath to the city gate by the river where they're going to find a place of prayer. Go to the place of prayer, engage some women who are there praying, and they get to know them, and one of them's name is Lydia, all right? So Lydia is a dealer in purple cloth, and she's from a place called Thyatira. Can you find Thyatira on that map? It's right in the middle of the red. So Paul feels called to preach the gospel in Asia. Good thing. But the Spirit's like, no, no, no. Keep walking. Keeps walking. I, I think I'm, I'm, called, I'm called to go to this place, do this thing. I know I'm supposed to do this. Jesus says, no, no. So I actually need you to go to Macedonia where he gets called there by a guy and he meets a lady. Who, he might have met a guy from Macedonia. I'm not sure. 
But can you imagine Paul, who has just walked for, I don't know, weeks, months, wanting to go to Asia? He meets this lady by the water, and her heart is opened to the Lord's message. And she's like, I'm in. He goes, where are you from? She goes, Asia. Paul is probably like, shut the front door. You got to be kidding me. I've been tracking you. It's almost like the Spirit's been leading me to find you. I knew I was supposed to talk to someone in Asia. I knew I was supposed to. And then here you are. It's like we have a God who tracks people down, who chases us, who's trying to find us, who's bringing people to intersect with us because he loves us. Is anyone else blown away by this? I couldn't believe it. I was like, you got to be kidding me. It's like he had a really good plan and he was doing, think of the right thing. But God said, not the right place, not the right time. Would you be patient enough to walk around several countries and to cross the river, that's not a river, that's a sea, to a different country to do the thing you think you're supposed to do? Only someone with the mind of Christ would say, I'll do that for you, God. Isn't that nuts? Think about time in your life. I think I'm supposed to do this. I think, I think, do I take this job, not take this job? Do I marry this person, not marry this person? Like all the questions you had in life, you said, God, I, I, think, I think you're calling me here, but, but you wait and you wait and you wait. And at just the right moment, God's like, now. This feels really like, this is like normal life. Right? We've all had those moments. We've all had those questions. We can be encouraged by someone who has the mind of Christ because he waited and the thing he thought, the thing he knew, the Lord said, now. That's the first story. Second story. I think we got time. If you keep tracking, they're still in the same place. This is a little more extreme. So Paul and his friend Silas are preaching. And this person, the young lady who has a demonic spirit is following them. And she's yelling all kinds of stuff. True stuff, good stuff. But he casts out the demon, right? Paul casts out the demon. And they get thrown in jail. They get flogged. They get beaten. They get stripped naked. And they get thrown in the inner cells of the jail, right? This is extreme. I hope that we don't ever experience something like that. But have any of us ever experienced something where something in life just happened to us? We did not choose it. We did not necessarily want it. It might grieve us. It could be painful. Has anyone ever had something like that happen in their life? What does Paul do? He and his friend in verse 25, are praying and singing. What are they praying? What are they singing? How loud are they praying? How loud are they singing? But then they're in the inner cells, which I thought best this morning. That means that maybe all the other cells are around them. Everyone's listening to these two guys. They probably heard the story, who've been thrown in jail, who've been beaten, and somehow they're, somehow they're still probably in pain singing somehow in pain, praying. And if you know the story, there's an earthquake and every cell door opens up. Now, Paul and Silas are developing the mind of Christ, right? And again, place he doesn't want to be, situation he doesn't want to be, but Paul seems to be like, God, wherever I am, I guess, I guess I'm here. What do you got? Jailer sees all the cell doors go flying open, thinks they've all run away, right? 
and he thinks he should end his life because that's what's going to happen to him. But everyone is still sitting in their cells. So Paul and Silas are following Jesus. Is anyone else following Jesus around them? I'm not, I don't know. But whatever they're praying, whatever they're saying is so compelling. It's so different. They literally don't leave their cells. It's like a made-up story. Seems to transcend my understanding. Anyone else? They chose an unthinkable thing. Why? So the jailer, when he recognizes that they're still there, both he and Lydia, what's the, what's the result? What do I got to do to be saved? What do I have to do to think like you? To navigate the hard things in life like that? What, what do I have to do? They explain the good news. And then what happens next? Baptized, baptized. Practicing what we've thought about. Practicing what we've pondered. Practicing the mind of Christ saves people's lives. Isn't Paul something? So I'd like to have a in just a moment, I'm going to have, not quite yet, I'm going to have up stories from the beginning. Before I ask them, I, I just want to, I think I'm going to pray. Is that okay? Can we pray? And then we're going to hear some testimony. Let's pray, Holy Spirit, you'd make your presence known in those who are being baptized. Might they know your presence as they stand before us. Might they sense you in a unique way as they stand before us and share their trust in you, as they share how much you have changed them, as they share how much you have loved them, as they share how you have moved them from this life into life with you forever. And we also pray in this moment for those who are far off, for those who are not near yet. Pray that the testimonies of your people would move them closer and that some people today would call on you for the first time and that they would receive, as they do, your promises, peace, that transcends peace, God with us. So we invite you, Spirit. Come be here. Have your way. Cut us to the heart. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.